Well, it's an honor to be here. Uh, Jessica and I are very privileged to be missionaries supported by the Father's House. And I want to start out this morning by showing you a video from an outreach that we did last year. Isaiah 66, 8 says, can a nation be saved in a day? And I believe the answer to that question is yes. And so we targeted the Central American nation of Belize, which is a small little country right below Mexico. And our goal was to preach the gospel to every single person in the entire country. And so we went, we took 10 evangelists with us, over 200 missionaries, and we did 10 crusade evangelistic events simultaneously in 10 different population centers throughout the country and saw thousands of people come to Jesus. And one of the things that was really cool that we got to do was we gave away food to all of the hungry children of Belize, over 270,000 meals. And so all this food was donated by some farmers, and then we had to ship this donated food down to Belize. Well, the Father's House played an instrumental role. Actually, uh, you guys helped to pay the cost of shipping all of that food down to Belize. So you may not have even known it, but you are responsible for giving away 270,000 meals in the nation of Belize. Can you give yourselves a great big hand? Isn't that amazing? And so we use that food to, to be a blessing to the kids of Belize because, you know, they can't hear the gospel until their bellies are filled. And so let's go ahead and watch this video. You had a part in what God did down there in the nation of Belize. Isaiah 66, 8 asks, can a nation be saved in a day? Missionary evangelist Daniel King believes the answer to the prophet's question is yes. The nation of Belize is a unique country. Half the country speaks English while the other half speaks Spanish. Belize is a blend of Caribbean and Hispanic cultures mixed with a dash of Gurifuna and Mennonite peoples. 270,000 meals were given away to the children of Belize. Thousands of Bibles and a 20-foot long shipping container full of books were given away. A medical brigade donated $350,000 worth of medicine and gave medical exams to 482 people. 600 business people attended the business conference. Hundreds of women packed the room at the women's conference. The pastors of the city gathered together in unity. Daniel even had the opportunity to meet the Prime Minister of Belize. Local churches and the mission team formed a giant parade and marched through the center of town, inviting people to come to the festival. 50% of the population of Belize are under the age of 17. 
famous musicians like Papasan, Christofare, and Evan Kraft, as well as extreme sports and a strength team, were used to attract the young people to the Festival of Hope. Starting at 9 a.m. and continuing to midnight, all day long the crowd size continued to grow. The festival was also aired live on national TV and to over 30 nations around the world. By the time Daniel King began to preach, the field was packed. Daniel presented a crystal clear gospel message and when he gave the altar call, thousands of people raised their hands to receive Jesus. Counselors prayed with everyone who got saved and gave them discipleship books. Now, the local churches will begin the process of following up with the new believers. Please pray for the Nation of Belize. Over 10% of the Nation of Belize attended our events, and over 1% of the nation prayed with us for salvation. Because of the Belize Festival of Hope, thousands of people will join us in heaven. Thank you. It is because of your financial support that we are able to make a difference in eternity. Would you give a financial gift today and help us impact another nation? To give, please visit www.kingministries.com or call 1-877-431-4276. Isn't that awesome to see what God did in the nation of Belize? And I want to say thank you to the Father's House for supporting us and helping us to impact nations around the world. And so my next trip is to the nation of Egypt. And in Egypt, you can't do a big outdoor festival. So we're going to bring our revival indoors. And we're specifically targeting people in Egypt that have come there from across northern Africa. Sometimes it's very difficult for missionaries to go into North Africa. So uh, countries like uh, Liberia and uh, Sudan, uh, North Sudan, and uh, countries like that, they send immigrants to Egypt in order uh, to get jobs. And so we're going to be specifically targeting these hard-to-reach people groups with the gospel with our event in Egypt. So if you could keep that in your prayers, I'd really appreciate it. This morning, I want to talk to you about God's healing power. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus walked on this earth, he healed many sick people. The blind man came to Jesus, and Jesus touched the blind man's eyes, and suddenly he could see. The crippled man came to Jesus, and Jesus touched the crippled man, and he began to dance. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe that the same miracles that Jesus did 2,000 years ago, he can do in the world today. And in our miracle services in different nations around the world, we have seen God perform tremendous miracles. Just at the beginning of the month of June, I was in the nation of Brazil, and we preached on God's healing power, and on the first night of the festival, three deaf people were completely healed. They came from a school for deaf people, and their director brought them up on the platform and said they weren't able to hear. But now God has opened their ears, and they began to hear for the first time. And it was a great miracle. And uh, we took pictures of them, and uh, 
we uh, did a, a Facebook advertisement to everybody in the city uh, that we were in there in Brazil and said, these girls were just healed. And some people said, oh, it's not true. Uh, I don't believe that miracles can really happen. And, and so somebody put the address of the deaf school that they were at and said, go and talk to them. If you don't believe us, go and test their hearing for yourselves. They can now hear. And so because of that, many people came to hear about Jesus in that city in Brazil. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, we find a scripture that serves as Matthew's introduction to the ministry of Jesus. If you'd open up your Bibles with me, we're, we're going to spend all our time today here in the book of Matthew. And Matthew 4, verse 23, is where we're going to start. It says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And so in this verse, Jesus engages in three activities. Preaching, teaching, and healing. Everyone say preaching, preaching. Teaching, teaching, healing. Now, we need all three of these aspects in our lives today if we are going to have ministries like the ministry of Jesus. We need to hear some good preaching. Can you say amen? amen. We need to receive some good teaching. Can you say amen? amen? But we also need to see God's healing power demonstrated in the church today. Jesus went about preaching the good news of the kingdom. And preaching proclaims the arrival of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, everywhere he went, he said, Behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Come on, everyone just stretch out your hand like this. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means it's close enough we can touch it, we can feel it. The kingdom of heaven is here. And so Jesus went preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Jesus was also teaching people about the kingdom of heaven. Teaching explains the ethics of the kingdom of heaven, how we should live as a people of God. And so preaching proclaims the arrival of the kingdom of heaven. Teaching explains the ethics of the kingdom of heaven. And then healing demonstrates the power of the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus was not just a preacher and teacher. You see, throughout history, there have been many religious leaders that have raised up, that have taught wonderful truths, that have preached very energetically and excitedly. But Jesus, there was something different about him. And the difference was he actually demonstrated the power of the kingdom of heaven. See, healing demonstrates the power of God's Kingdom. And so preaching, teaching, and healing are like the three dimensions of this room. If you remove any one of the three dimensions from this room, you're left with nothing. So if you remove height, all we've got left is a concrete slab. If you remove width, flatter than a sheet of paper. You remove depth. See, we need preaching, teaching, and healing, all three aspects in our ministries today. Can you, can you say amen? Amen. And so in the next few chapters of Matthew, if you have your Bibles, you can just flip through them, we begin to see the ministry of Jesus unfold. Matthew chapter 5 has some of the 
teaching ministry of Jesus. Jesus talks about the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's a very popular passage. He talks about uh, an eye for an eye, love for your enemies, giving. He talks about prayer, fasting. Uh, People do a lot of sermons out of this chapter. And then if you look at Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7, you begin to see the, the preaching ministry of Jesus unfold. He talks about the narrow gate and the wide gate. And so Matthew chapter 7 is uh, the preaching ministry of Jesus. And then you come to Matthew chapter 8, and you see the healing ministry of Jesus begin in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8 verse 1, it says, When Jesus came down from the mountains, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leper was cured of his leprosy. Now, leprosy was a very horrible disease. Leprosy caused your fingers to fall off. It caused your face to become disfigured. And leprosy was highly contagious. And so when this man caught leprosy, everyone in his family kicked him out of the house. They kicked him out of his village. He became ostracized from society. No one wanted to have anything to do with this leper because he had this horrible, contagious disease of leprosy. And so you could call him the lonely leper. But one day, this leper heard about Jesus. He heard about how Jesus was already doing miracles. And he had this question in his mind. He says, I wonder if Jesus is willing to heal me. I've heard about how he healed others, but is he willing to heal me? And many people today, they ask the same question. They ask, is God willing to heal me? Is God willing to heal the sick? And I believe the answer that Jesus gave to this leper reverberates across the centuries and answers the same question that people ask today. If people ask, is God willing to heal me? Jesus told the leper, yes, I am willing be healed. And it says immediately he was healed of the leprosy. And so this is the first thing I want you to do this morning is to establish this fact firmly in your minds that Jesus absolutely, positively is willing to heal the sick. Did you know that this story is the very first healing story that's found in the entire New Testament? And I think that God put it here for a reason because he just wanted to establish right up front that he is a God who is willing to heal. He's not a God who sometimes heals and sometimes doesn't. He's a God who absolutely positive. He, he wants to heal you. Come on, everyone just raise your hand in the air and say this with me. Say, God is willing to heal me. Come on, say it like you believe it. God is willing to heal me. Hallelujah. Let's look at the next healing story. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. It said, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. 
Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just speak the word. Everyone say, just speak the word. And my servant will be healed, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does that. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, Wow, I tell you the truth. I've not found such great faith in all of Israel. Then verse 13, Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. I think it's very interesting that both the leper and the centurion called Jesus Lord. I believe this is the first step to receiving healing is to make Jesus the Lord of our lives. How many of you have made Jesus the Lord of your life? Raise your hand. That's so wonderful. You know, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, then you get all the benefits of the kingdom of God. And so both the leper and the centurion call him Lord. They've made him the Lord of their life. Now, the centurion, Jesus says, I'll go and and pray for your servant. But the centurion had great faith. He says, Jesus, he said, just speak the word. Just say the word, and I know that my servant will be healed. And Jesus says, wow, I've not seen such great faith in all Israel. The centurion, he was a soldier. He says, I have men under me. I tell them, go, and they go. I tell them, come, and they come. If you will just say a word, I know that you have the power to heal. You see, the centurion understood the power of God's word. Everyone say, God's word has power. And when we speak God's word, that activates the power of God's word in our own lives. Our words are powerful. And when our words repeat God's words, then God's power becomes activated in our lives. God's words in your mouth is just as powerful as God's words in his mouth. You know, when God created the world, he just used words. He said, let there be light. And suddenly there was light. And words are the most powerful force in the universe. The only thing I can do to you today is use my words to convince you that God loves you. It's through our words that we are saved. I can't force anyone to get saved. People have to choose to be saved. I use my words to convince people that Jesus is alive, that God is real, that Jesus really rose from the dead. And then they use their words, say, God, they cry out to Jesus, God, I pray that you'd forgive me. I pray that you would be the Lord of my life. And it's through their words that people get saved. It's through our words that we take authority over Satan and we cast him out of our lives. See, our words are very powerful. And one word from God can change your life forever. Come on, everyone say, one word from God can change my life forever. Let me give you a story to to illustrate this concept. It was my very first night in Mexico. I was 10 years old. And I remember crossing the border with my parents into Mexico and looking around for everyone who was wearing sombreros. 
But I was very disappointed because instead of people wearing sombreros, I, I thought everyone would be like Speedy Gonzalez. But instead of that, everyone was just wearing blue jeans. Well, we drove across the border into Mexico, and at that time, no one in my family spoke any Spanish. Well, actually, we did know two words. We knew the word uh, por favor. Who knows what por favor means? Please. And we knew the word gracias. Who knows what the word gracias means? Thank you. And, and so we did know those two words. But my parents had received a letter of introduction to a pastor of a small church in a small town about a day's drive down into Mexico. And so we crossed the border, drove down there. My parents found the village. They knocked on the door of the house. They handed the letter to the pastor. The pastor read it, and then he welcomed us into his house. And I was only 10 years old, but uh, we discovered that there was a problem because nobody in that house spoke any English. And we didn't speak any Spanish. But they were very happy. They read this letter, this introductory letter, which was in Spanish, and just welcomed us. And, come, come, come. and then they brought uh, food for us to eat. The first time in my life that I had real Mexican food, uh, tortillas, uh, burritos, you know, frijoles, all kinds of delicious food. And uh, then uh, I remember one thing. Uh, they gave us hot tortillas with honey on it. And if you've never had hot tortillas with honey, you're missing something that God wants to bless you with. <laughs> Because that was so good. And then they put the honey away. And some of us kids wanted some more hot tortillas with honey. So my dad was stuck trying to ask for the honey without knowing the word miel in, in Spanish. But he pretended that his, his finger was a bee. Like then he goes, bzzz. To, oh, you want the honey. They brought back the honey. Well, then they asked my father to preach. But he didn't know what to preach. Because how do you preach? There was no translator, and he didn't know any Spanish. They didn't know any English. Well, what he did is all he did is he used God's word to preach the gospel that night. So he opened up the Bible to Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, and he pointed to it in English and read it in English. I am Jehovah, the God that heals you. And then somebody found it in the Spanish Bible, and they opened it up, and they read it in Spanish. Yo soy Jehová. Tu sanador. Then he flipped over to Psalms 103, verse 3, which says he's the God who forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases. And he read it in English, and then somebody read it in Spanish. Él es quien perdona todos nuestros pecados, el que sana todos nuestros dolencias. It's a little bit more anointed in Spanish than it is in English. <laughs> then he flipped over to 1 Peter 2, 24, which says, By the stripes of Jesus... You are healed. Then he flipped over to Malachi 4, 6, which says, The Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall leap like a calf newly released from the stall. And then he flipped over to the healing stories of Jesus, and he just read those stories. And so then we began to pray for some of the sick people there. Now, I was only 10 years old, and since I was so young, I, I was very naive. I, I was so naive that I actually believed God's word. You know, the Bible says you must become like a little child in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says you should have faith like a little child. And so I was just a little child, and I had faith. And I looked at my parents. They were busy praying for some people. And I noticed there's the, the one mother. She was pushing forward a little boy to be prayed for. And my parents were busy praying for all the big people. So I decided that I would just lay hands on this little boy and pray for him. And 
I began to pray, and after a few minutes, something very strange began to happen. The little boy began to make some weird sounds. He said, ah, uh, ah, and I thought that was very strange. And when his mother heard this little boy make these sounds, she started jumping up and down and, and, and dancing and shouting. And we didn't really know what was happening. We just, hallelujah, praise the Lord. She lifted them up on the table. And they, they, when they heard the boy make the sounds, everyone just had a Holy Spirit party right there. And it wasn't until two weeks later we found out what had happened. My mom and dad went back to the family that had given us the letter of introduction and said the strangest thing, this little boy uh, started making these strange sounds. And they, they said, was it a little boy about this tall? We said, yeah. Did he have brown hair and brown eyes? He said, yeah, because every boy in Mexico has brown hair and brown eyes. <laughs> was his name Juanito? Yeah, that was his name. He says, we know that family. He says, that little boy was born completely deaf and completely dumb. He had never heard before in his life, never spoken a word before in his life. And that night, God opened up his ears, opened up his mouth, and he began making sounds for the first time in his own life. Now, how many of you think... If God can use a 10-year-old boy, then God can use some of us here today to pray for the sick. Amen? And so this centurion, he said, just speak the word. And so God's word has tremendous power. In fact, I encourage people, when they're facing a difficult situation in their life, whether it's in the area of finances or in the area of healing or even in the area of marriage problems or whatever, go to God's Word, find out what God's Word says, and begin to confess God's Word over your life. If you're sad, just begin to confess, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You might not feel it. You might think that's silly. But if you will just begin saying, the joy of the Lord is my strength, guess what? Pretty soon, you won't be sad and depressed any longer because God's word will change your thinking. God's word will wash our minds of all of the negativity that we put in there. It's almost like a brainwash. It washes our brains so that we have God's word on our minds. Let's look at the next healing story. Matthew 8, verse 14. It says, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. Now, this is a very personal story because this is Peter's mother-in-law. Now, Jessica and I have just so enjoyed being up here in Canada this month. First of all, because of the, the love of everyone at the Father's house for us, we, we just appreciate you guys so much. But we also appreciate being here because this is where Jessica's family lives. And uh, they have done such a great job of taking care of us. In Tulsa, we don't have any family that lives close to us. And so just having free babysitters up here has been such a blessing <laughs> that we can go and drop the kids off and say, hey, we're going to a movie. It's awesome. Uh, but uh, something I've learned being around my in-laws, not outlaws, in-laws, is that uh, if the mother-in-law ain't happy, ain't nobody in the house happy. And so this is Peter's mother-in-law, and she is sick in bed with a fever. And she's the one who normally probably took care of the house. She's the one who cooked for everyone. Here she is laying in bed with a fever. Everything's going wrong. And Jesus, he just has such tremendous compassion for Peter's mother-in-law. He just reaches out his hand and touches her. He just reaches out his hand, and he touches her, and it says, immediately, the fever left her. And right now, 
I believe Jesus is reaching out his hand to touch you this morning. Come on, everyone just put up your hand towards heaven. Your arm may be short, but God's arm is very long. Jesus is reaching down from heaven right now to touch you. Can you feel the presence of Jesus? He's here right now. He's touching you. If you need a miracle this morning, I encourage you, reach out towards God. He has the miracle that you need. If you need healing in your body, he's the one who can touch you right now and heal your body. Everyone just say, touch me now, Jesus. Can you feel his presence? His presence is here. Touch me now, Jesus. I believe in you. I believe that you're a God of miracles. I believe in you. I believe that you can raise people from their sick beds and give them health and healing. In Jesus' name. Verse 16, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. When Jesus died on the cross, he died to pay the price for sin, but he also died to cure all of the effects of sin. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, there was no disease No one ever got sick. They never had a sprained ankle or they never had cancer. They never had anything wrong with them. But then when they sinned, sickness entered the world. Sickness was the result of sin. And so in Isaiah chapter 53, which this quotes from it, he took up our infirmities, he carried our diseases. It tells us that Jesus came to set us free from sin And also, he came to carry our sicknesses on his own body. By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. When Jesus took stripes on his back, they took a whip, a cat of nine tails. They whipped Jesus 39 times with that whip. He had stripes all over his back, and he suffered in great pain. But he suffered that pain so that you don't have to suffer pain. He suffered so that you can be set free from sickness and disease. And so healing is just as much a part of the atonement as forgiveness of sins. Jesus comes to save us, and Jesus comes to heal us. Can you say amen? Now I want to tell you my favorite healing story in the entire Bible. I love this story, and I preach on it all the time. It's a story about a paralyzed man who was let down through the roof. One day, there was a man who was completely paralyzed. He couldn't move his hands. He couldn't move his feet. For many years, he was in this condition. And this paralyzed man had four friends. And one day, one of the friends heard about Jesus. And he said, let's bring the paralyzed man to Jesus. And so the four, par- the, the four friends, they each picked up a corner of the, the bed that the man was s- sleeping on, and they carried the man to Jesus. All right, here they come. Look back behind you. Here comes the four friends with the paralyzed man. I gave them subtle signals, and they weren't picking up on it. 
So let's give him a big signal. Come on, guys. Here comes the paralyzed man. And when they got to the house where Jesus was teaching, there was a big problem. Many religious leaders had come to hear Jesus. And so they tried to push their way through the crowd. Excuse me, this man needs a miracle. Excuse me. But they couldn't get through the crowd. And so finally, one of the friends had an idea. He said, let's climb up on the roof of the house and let's lower the man down in front of Jesus. Straighten him out a little bit. There we go. Very good. So you can imagine what it was like for the people inside of the house. They're sitting there listening to Jesus. And suddenly dust begins to float down through the air. And then they're hit on the head with an adobe brick. They look up. And these four friends are carrying this paralyzed man. They lower him down through the roof. They cut a hole in the roof. They lower him down. They lower him right in front of Jesus. And there he is. He's interrupted the whole sermon, interrupted everything that's going on. Jesus is teaching the people, and suddenly this sick person shows up. Well, what does Jesus do? Let's read Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. It says, some men brought to Jesus a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, everyone say, Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralyzed man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, get up, take up your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to men. And so the first thing I want you to notice in this passage, it says that Jesus saw their faith. It took a lot of faith for these four friends to carry this man to Jesus, to cut a hole in the roof, to lower him down in front of Jesus. Jesus saw their faith. And this morning, Jesus is looking for someone who has faith. Jesus knows what your need is today. He's God. He's omniscient. He knows everything. But he's looking for someone who will put their faith into action. The paralyzed man, he's just laying there. He doesn't put his faith into action, but these four friends, they put their faith into action on his behalf. They put action to their faith. In the book of James, it says that faith without action is dead. We have to put our faith into action. Everyone say, you have to put your faith into action. And so a lot of people say that they have faith, but how do you know someone has faith? It's when they put their faith into action. I was preaching on this in the nation of Honduras. I was preaching the same sermon. I told people, you have to put your faith into action. And there was a woman who was in a wheelchair, parked right over here on this side of the audience. And we asked her her story. She said, I've been in the wheelchair for 11 years. She said, 11 years ago, my husband was drinking all the time. And one night he came home extremely drunk, and he was so drunk that he beat this woman with his fist and crippled her. And for 11 years, she's sitting there in the wheelchair. She couldn't walk. 
And I challenge people, put your faith into action. Begin to do something you, you couldn't do before. And this woman, she decided to trust in Jesus. And so she pushed herself up out of her wheelchair. And, and she was wobbling there, and her legs were shaking. But she decided to put her faith in Jesus, and she took a small step. And Jesus began to strengthen her legs, and then she took another step. And then she took another step. She let go of the wheelchair, and she began to walk back and forth, and Jesus strengthened her more and more. And after a few minutes, this woman came running up on the platform, and she was running back and forth. She said, Jesus healed me. Jesus healed me. Jesus healed me. See, that woman, she put her faith into action. And so often when I preach on healing, I I encourage people, Try to do something you couldn't do before. Examine your body. Don't look for the pain. Look for a miracle. Jesus is doing a miracle in your life. And so Jesus saw their faith. And this morning, Jesus is looking for someone who has faith. If you have faith in Jesus this morning, just wave your hand at me. Why am I asking you to wave your hand? It's because I'm asking you to put your faith into action. You're, you're, by waving your hand, you're saying, yeah. I'm putting my faith into action. I believe in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. Yeah, just a little action, but it shows God that you have faith. Yeah. And so then Jesus, he says three things to this paralyzed man. The first thing Jesus says to the man is take heart, which means be encouraged. Everyone say be encouraged. The second thing Jesus says to this man is, son, your sins are forgiven. Everyone say, your sins are forgiven. And then the third thing Jesus says to this man is, get up, take up your bed, and go home. Everyone say, get up and go home completely healed. Now, why did Jesus say these three things to the paralyzed man? Well, each one of us is a three-part being. At our innermost core, we are a spirit. Our spirit has a soul, which is comprised of our mind, our will, our emotions, and our, our spirit and our soul live in this physical body, which you can see. And so when Jesus wanted to heal the paralyzed man, he wanted to bring complete healing to him. Spirit, mind, and body. Everyone say complete healing. So the first thing Jesus said was be encouraged. Why did Jesus want to encourage this man? Well, for many years, he had been paralyzed. He had gone to the doctors. He had spent all his money on the doctors. The doctor said, I'm sorry, your situation is hopeless. I'm sorry, there's nothing that can be done for you. You're, you're going to be sick the rest of your life. You're probably going to die. And so this man, because of this, was very sad. How, how many of you would be sad if you were completely paralyzed? Yeah, this man was sad. He, he was depressed. He was also very worried. He had spent all his money on his doctors, and, and they offered no hope for him. And so now he's wondering, how am I going to feed my family? I'm going to be sick. I'm probably going to die. And this man was very worried. He was also probably very fearful. Satan came and whispered lies in his ears, and Satan says, you're going to die. You're never going to get better. You see, Satan is the original terrorist. He's the author of fear. He comes to bring terror and fear into people's heart. And Satan will whisper lies to you. And Satan will say, you're never going to get better. The doctors can't do anything for you. Modern science has no solution for you. And Satan 
will whisper lies in your ear. God doesn't love you. Satan will say God's not real. And, and Satan will, will cause fear to enter our hearts. And so this man was probably in great fear. And he was probably lonely. All of his friends were out in the street playing football. And here he is. He, he's paralyzed. And so this man is sad. He's lonely. He's depressed. He's worried. He's fearful. No wonder the first thing that Jesus says to him is take heart. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Everyone say be encouraged. You don't need to be sad any longer. You don't need to be worried any longer. You don't need to be depressed any longer. You don't need to be fearful any longer. You don't need to be lonely any longer. Why? Because Jesus is here. And wherever Jesus is, your miracle is going to happen. And so today, perhaps you came and you need healing in your emotions. Maybe you've been struggling with sadness or depression. Maybe you've been struggling with worry. You wake up in the middle of the night and just worry about things. Maybe you've been struggling with fear. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you're, even now, you're in a crowd with lots of people and you're feeling lonely this morning. Well, Jesus has a message for you. Jesus says to you this morning, you don't need to be worried any longer. You don't need to be depressed any longer. You don't need to be sad any longer. You don't need to be lonely any longer. Why? Because Jesus is here this morning. And wherever Jesus is, your miracle is going to happen. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. And so then the second thing Jesus said to this man was, Son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the religious leaders got very upset that Jesus said that. They folded their arms and said, who does Jesus think he is? Doesn't he know that only God can forgive sins? And it's true. Only God can forgive sins. But they failed to recognize that Jesus is God. He's the son of God. He came from heaven to earth, born to a virgin named Mary 2,000 years ago. Jesus grew up and walked the dusty streets of Israel. He healed the blind, healed the lame. And the purpose for Jesus' coming, he says, was to seek and to save the lost. He came to save people from their sins. In the beginning of time, when Adam and Eve sinned, they disobeyed God's command. And since that time, every single person has sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that the price for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, Jesus stretched out his arms of love. And he allowed some evil men to nail him to a cross. And even though those men put nails in his hands, it was really the sins of the world that kept him there on that cross. See, he died to pay the price for our sins. But Jesus didn't stay dead. After three days, Jesus rose from the dead. And today, Jesus is alive. Come on, let's shout that, uh, that phrase three times just really... Uh, Loudly, Jesus is alive because this is good news. Come on, Jesus is alive. Ready? Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. 
See, Jesus is alive today, and the Bible says, Acts 2.21, it says that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin and saved from all of the effects of sin, including sickness, poverty, hate, prejudice, racial tension, all these things. Jesus died to set us free from sin and all of the results of sin. And the Bible says that everyone who calls on Jesus will be saved. And so Jesus said to this man, son, your sins are forgiven. And today Jesus has a message for you. He says to you, your sins are forgiven. In just a few moments, I'm going to pray a prayer with you if you want Jesus to forgive your sins. Every single one of us have done things that are wrong. But Jesus is not angry with you. He's ready to forgive you. And if you will cry out to him, he will forgive you of your sins and give you the power to overcome every stronghold of sin in your life. Come on, everyone say, your sins are forgiven. And then the third thing Jesus said to the man was get up, take up your bed, and go home. And for the first time in many years, this man began to move his hand. He began to move his arm. Strength began to enter his body. He pushed himself up off of the bed that he was laying on. God began to strengthen him. And then that man, he took a small step. And then he took another step. And then he took another step. And then he took another step. And then he started running back and forth. And he said, Jesus healed me. Jesus healed me. Jesus healed me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He was was so excited. Jesus healed him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus healed him. And then the man came. And he rolled up his bed, and he put his bed on his shoulder. You see, that man, he came in through the roof, but he walked out through the door. He came in with a big, big problem, but he walked out with a big, big miracle. He came in lying on his bed, but he walked out carrying his bed, completely healed spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Come on, let's give Jesus a great big hand. So I believe in miracles. I've seen God do miracles all over the world. And Jesus Christ is the same in Mournville as he is in Africa. Jesus Christ is the same today as he was 2,000 years ago. I believe in a God who does miracles. And I believe that today Jesus has a miracle for you. The same three things that Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Jesus says to you this morning. Jesus says to you, be encouraged. Come on, everyone just say, be encouraged. Jesus says to you, your sins are forgiven. Everyone say, your sins are forgiven. And Jesus says to you, go home completely healed. Come on, everyone say, go home completely healed. No matter what 
issue you're struggling with, whether it's spiritual or emotional or physical, Jesus comes to give you health and healing. I want to invite the worship team to come up. And we're going to pray three prayers this morning. The first prayer is for the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is when Jesus forgives a person's sin. Then the second healing miracle we're going to pray for is for emotional healing. Jesus encourages man emotionally, and I believe Jesus wants to encourage some of us today emotionally. And then the third prayer we're going to pray is for people who need healing in their physical body. So if everyone could just bow your head and close your eyes, the greatest miracle is when Jesus forgives your sin. If you came this morning and you've never cried out to Jesus to forgive you, this is your opportunity. Jesus says to you, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Even if you've done some really horrible things, Jesus says to you, your sins are forgiven. He died on the cross to pay the price for your sin. He rose from the dead to demonstrate his power over every sin. And today, if you will cry out to Jesus, Jesus will save you and give you a brand new start. The Bible calls this process becoming a, a new creation or becoming born again, becoming a new man or woman where Jesus washes away everything from your past and gives you a brand new start. If you're here today and you say, yeah, I want Jesus to forgive my sin. I've done some things that are wrong, but I want Jesus to forgive me this morning. Just lift up your hand to heaven and I want to pray with you. Every person who wants Jesus to forgive your sin, lift up your hand right now. If you want Jesus to forgive you, just wave your hand at me and I want to lead you in a prayer and I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Everyone in here, just say this with me. Say, Dear God in heaven. Dear God in heaven. I cry out to Jesus. I cry out to Jesus. Jesus, please forgive me. Jesus, please forgive me. I believe. I believe. That Jesus died on the cross. That Jesus died on the cross. I believe. I believe. That Jesus rose from the dead. That Jesus rose from the dead. And today I cry out to Jesus. And today I cry out to Jesus. Please forgive my sin. Please forgive my sin. Give me a brand new start. Give me a brand new start. Make me a brand new creation. Make me a brand new creation. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's clap for Jesus. He washes away every sin. It gives us a brand new start. The second thing I want to pray for is emotional healing. If you're here today and, and you've been struggling emotionally, maybe you've been dealing with sadness, depression, fear, worry, maybe loneliness, and today you want Jesus to encourage you, then I want to pray for you right now. If you want encouragement from Jesus this morning, you want emotional healing, just lift up your hand right now, and I want to pray for you. Yeah, all over the auditorium, there's people who need emotional healing this morning. Yeah, I want to encourage you, take a step of faith. If you need emotional healing, just stand to your feet this morning. Stand to your feet, taking a step of faith. Yeah, let me pray over you. 
Come on, everyone pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would touch every person here who needs emotional healing. Lord, I pray that you would take away sadness and replace it with joy. Take away fear and replace it with faith this morning. Take away worry and replace it with your hope. I pray that you would encourage every person here this morning. Be encouraged in the name of Jesus. Be encouraged in the name of Jesus. Be encouraged. I come against the spirit of fear. Spirit of fear, be gone in Jesus' name. I come against doubt and unbelief. Be gone in the name of Jesus. I come against the spirit of worry, loneliness, sadness. Be encouraged in the name of Jesus. Just place your hand on your heart and say, Jesus, encourage me today. Touch my heart. Fill me with your joy. Take away every fear. Father, I pray that every person would feel your presence right now. That any time they're dealing with emotional challenges, that they would feel a tangible sense of your presence come into the room. That they would know that you're there with them, encouraging them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. now I want to pray for those who need physical healing in your bodies. But before we do, I'd like to just create an atmosphere of healing here this morning. Often God's presence of healing comes when we begin to worship Him. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to begin to sing this song. And if you need healing, this morning in your physical body as they begin to sing what I want you to do is I want to ask you to stand to your feet and just begin to worship with them lift up your hands to heaven or maybe you have a close family member who's sick or a friend who's sick and you would like to stand in their place this morning you also can stand and for those around those who are standing if you see someone stand Would you just join with me in praying? Just stretch out your hands towards them. You could even put a hand on their shoulder, put an arm around them, and just agree with them for healing. Come on, let's enter into the presence of God and let's believe God to touch people this morning in their physical body. If you need healing, just stand with us and begin to worship God as Jesus.